1 John uh, chapter 1. We'll be looking at uh, verses 5 through 10. Get myself situated here a little bit. We'll, um, we'll start off, we'll read the verses and then, uh, uh, <clears throat> then we'll make some comments. Starting in verse 5, 1 John chapter 1, starting in verse 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and, the, and do not the truth. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and the word and his word is not in us. You know, think about this with me just a little bit as the Lord, you know, the Lord's apostles, you know, after his death and resurrection, uh, and they had time maybe later on to reflect on the privilege that they had to get to walk and talk with the Lord Jesus Christ and to witness his life and how he interacted with people and how he conducted himself, his... Uh, long-suffering, his mercy, his pity, his patience that he had with these people. And, you know, as you think of this, as they thought of this and how it cheered their heart and it warmed their heart to think about the realization that sunk in that they had actually walked with God. God the Son, God in the flesh, and that they had actually walked the face of the earth, that they had sit, they had broken bread with them. They had... Uh, stayed up nights visiting with them, uh, that they had walked with God. Just think of that, that, how much that must have cheered their heart, and also think of how obligated they felt among in themselves to want to share with others what the privilege that they had had to experience, and especially to other believers. And the reason especially to other believers is, is that we need enough evidence as lost folks to realize who Jesus was and what his purpose was. And that's really the only thing that a lost person needs to come to understand about Christ is that they're lost, they're undone in their sins and trespasses, that they have a sinner's hell waiting on them, and that Jesus Christ so made a way of escape. And really, when you've witnessed with someone who's lost and they try to get you to talk about other topics, other, they're all spiritually discerned. And they're lost. They're dead in trespasses and sins. And so to go talking about tithing or go talking about church membership or talking about lots of different topics is really a waste of time with them. You know, you may have to try to be polite if they ask a question and try to, you know, not be rude and go ahead and work with them a little bit. But you need to steer the question back to their need of Jesus Christ and what he did for them on the cross. But think about us after we get saved. Who's our great example? 
in Jesus. And just think how obligated these apostles felt to try to share their walk with the Lord Jesus Christ and their talk with the Lord Jesus Christ and their witnessing of all the things that he did because we need that information, don't we? We need to know about our great model, our great role model uh, that went to the cross for us and was God in the flesh and that we need to model our lives too. It sure does cut through a lot of stuff of judging our brothers and sisters in Christ if we just keep our eyes on Christ. Because we'll have so much on our own plate to deal with that we won't have eyes to see problems in other folks. And I think you see this as we look in verse 3, the beginning of verse 3 and of verse 5, how John addresses the letter. He says in verse 3, That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, uh, that you may also have fellowship with us. And then in verse 5 he says there, this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you. So I think there's, there's a great emphasis here. He's not sharing with you what he thinks. He's not sharing with you what he would think would be wise for you to do. He's sharing with you the message that he saw personally in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he knows that he's passing on truth to you. And he's declaring truth to us. And as we... Look at the verses tonight. One of the things that we're going to realize is that as Christians, we have this some wonderful privileges. And one of them is the capability of having fellowship with God Almighty. Salvation makes us a child of God. And that because of a child, we have the op- we're in a relationship once we get saved. We're one of God's children. But relationship and fellowship are two different things. I can remember many a times when I wasn't necessarily doing what my daddy wanted, and I didn't really want to be that close to my daddy and when I was little, you know. And it's hard to meet his eye and, and hold his eye and not, you know, realize that there was a problem with us. And the thing is, fellowship is a, requires a connection. It requires not just a connection, but in, to be in fellowship, to be in communion with one another, to be in agreement with one another. And when I knew in my heart of hearts that I was being disobedient to my earthly father and maybe hoping I wasn't going to get caught, the last thing I, I, the less contact with him, the, le- you know, the better it was. The less likelihood he was going to sniff it out. It wasn't going to go good for me if he did. You know? <laughs> and, and so I knew that the least amount of contact, but what was I denying myself? A dad that loved me and I was denying those times that I could spend with him. And the same thing is true in our lives with our Heavenly Father. It takes fellowship, but the thing is, it's not automatic. It's cap- we're capable of having that fellowship, but it's not automatic. Because our sins can hinder that relationship. Just like it did, does with our earthly family, it can do it with our, our Heavenly Father. And so we see in verses 5 and 8 that uh, he speaks of the requirements of fellowship. And then he speaks about, in verses 9 and 10, he speaks about what we can do to restore fellowship if we find that we have lost that. Again, you can't lose your relationship. You're a child. But you can sure be out of fellowship with somebody. You can be out of fellowship in your own household as a married couple, can't you? Uh, you know, and you can be out of relationship with children and distant, uh, extended families. You can be out of fellowship, but the relationship is there. 
it's it's uh, it's there. We see in verses. I want to go back and read verses three and four. It says, "That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us." And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. These things write we unto you that your joy may be full. That's the goal. When we're in a right relationship with our Heavenly Father, we're going to be in a right relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's going to be a fruit of it. And it gives us that possibility of having our joy to be full. I mean, this life is so full of stress, so many problems. Isn't it nice to come here and escape? Isn't it nice to know that we can call on brothers and sisters in Christ to pray? I mean, there, but the thing is, do you really feel comfortable getting on your knees and begging prayer for somebody when you know really in your heart of hearts there's just a whole list of things you need to get right with your Heavenly Father? And, and so, you, you know, there's just... That joy that he wants us to have, that joy comes from fellowship. And what we're looking at here is the requirements to have that fellowship so that we can have that joy. And really in our Christian life, there can be a lot of circumstances going on, but the one thing you don't want missing is the joy. You just don't want to be that millstone grinding you into the ground. You want to have joy. You want to have a skip in your step. And it's sometimes hard to find, but it can be found with a relationship with our Father. And he speaks about, in verse 5, he speaks about God's character. This, then, is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. His character is so perfect, there's no need for any darkness to hide any part of his character. I mean, when we've been, you know, think back even today in our lives and stuff, when we're up to something, we just really don't want it to be broadcasted out there, do we? You know, when we're not necessarily walking just like we know we ought to be walking, you know, if you mash your finger and remember some words you thought you'd forgot, do you want your whole family to be there at the moment you did it? You know? Yeah, they all, there's always someone, and then they run, Daddy said that? No. <laughs> You know, uh, but the thing is, but in God's character, there is no need for darkness. There is no part of his life that isn't open for examination because he's perfect. And, And that's the reason, like I said, if we keep our eyes on Christ, it helps us have plenty of things to be dealing with in our own life. And I don't have to look at your flaws, which, you know, I've got issues, you've got flaws, you know, you've got faults, you know. If you just knew my circumstances, you'd understand why I'm like this. But um, I had a youth pastor one time. I was teasing him about my two kids. I said, keep an eye on those two. They're kind of trouble because if you just knew the home they came from. That's what he said to me. (laughs) He was having fun at my expense. But the thing is, in God's life, he's perfect. And he's trying to share with us, why do we seek out the shadows? Why do we seek out the cloak in things in our life? Why, why, why would you be embarrassed if the preacher showed up and wanted to go through your junk drawers and go through the closet? And you know, What about that might make you nervous? You know, Go open the refrigerator and see what's in there. You know, 
you know, the thing is, we hide certain things. We, we put them under a cloak, and why do we do it? We, well, we just don't really want to broadcast. And God's telling us that just as he's in the light, because his life and his character is perfect, that's where we got to walk to. we got to walk in the light. The um, It talks about in verse 6 about those who do not have fellowship with God. Let me ask you this. Does God's word sometimes put you on the spot? You know, it does. He's just not real worried about being politically correct, is he? Because he sits there and says that, you know, in this verse he says, if you say that you have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, it says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. I mean, you know, somebody is coming to church and they're they're here and stuff, but you know good and well that Monday through Friday they're not living like they're putting on the smile. We're kind of bound to be politically correct and just shake their hand and we're real nice, even though we might know it. Now, we might teach the truth, preach the truth, but we don't necessarily bring that stuff. Well, God's just, he's just not too worried about it. He says that if you claim you've got fellowship with me and you're trying to put on that you've got fellowship with me, but you're walking in darkness, he said you're a liar. And the thing is, God doesn't want you to cover it up because what you're denying yourself is fellowship with him and and have good, proper fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's going to deny you joy. And so God's not being a friend to you if he doesn't call you a liar if you're in that situation. He's just putting it out there. He's just saying, don't, don't think you can excuse it away. You can't talk it, you know, you can't make excuses. I'm just saying, if you're hiding parts of your life in a cloak, if you, you got some things going on that you know you ought not be doing, it's hurting your fellowship with me. And if you're not having a proper fellowship with the Father, you're not going to be proper in a proper relationship with your brothers and sisters in Christ, and that's going to deny you joy. And so he's not doing us a favor if he doesn't call us out on it. So we see, go with me. Well, I'll read a verse to you first, and then we're going to be turning. You can be turning, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 2. But in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13, God's, God has delivered us from the power of darkness. There was a day and a time when God, where Satan had us under his thumb. He had us blinded to our sinful condition. But once we got saved, God's called us out of it. Now, I've already told you all to turn there, so I've got to hurry up and catch up. But in 1 Peter chapter 2, and in verses 9 through 10, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness unto his marvelous light, which in times past were not a people, but are now the people of God which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. God has been so merciful to us by saving our soul. 
And he calls us out of that darkness. The things that had us trapped, the things that had us enslaved, the, the things of this life that encaptured our imaginations and also our physical being as far as we just were tempted and we just succumbed to that temptation. Now through the mercies of God that we're saved, we have God the Holy Spirit, we have God's Holy Word to instruct us, God the Holy Spirit to guide us. We have brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage us. And we do not have to stay in that condition. We've been called out of that light, out into the light. In John chapter 8 and verse 12, he says, let me just get my cheat note here, be quicker. He says, I am the light of the world, the Lord Jesus speaking. I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness but shall have the light of life. Again, that key phrase there is that followeth me. Again, that great example that we have of our Lord Jesus Christ and our studying of his life and the realization that he's our role model and if we'll follow him. He said, if you love me, obey my commandments. He's given us direction and we need to choose to follow that direction. And if we do that, we'll walk in the same light that he walks in. Um... Go with me, if you would, also to Ephesians chapter 5. And in Ephesians chapter 5, looking at verse 8, and then we're going to also look at verse 11. It says, for ye were sometimes dark, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now ye are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. In verse eleven, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Think with me just a little bit, if you would, when it talks about the unfruitful works of darkness. Isn't that the truth? I mean, it tempts us to do it. We, we, you know, we succumb to temptation, and we do things. But I mean, it's unfruitful, isn't it? I mean, we look at it; it it, it gets us in trouble now. I mean, because you, God just deals with you about these things. If nothing else, it immediately smites you in the heart. If you're walking with the Lord and wanting to please the Lord, and you mess up and you do things you know you shouldn't do, you get tempted. You lose your temper. You say something you shouldn't say. You, your body language, re, you know, sends a message to somebody. Uh, just different things that we do, and we know we shouldn't have done it that way. And it immediately smites us in the heart. Sometimes we get into other things, and it just gets us in trouble. It hurts those that love us. Um, we say things that we shouldn't say, and you can't get your words back. Um, we can hurt people. Sometimes whenever God's got to deal with us, it's hard for him not to also be dealing with your whole family. Um, so it, it hurts those that we love. Uh, and then because of it, we lose the fellowship. And because of losing the fellowship, we lose the peace and the joy that can be ours in the time of storm. And then the other side of it is, however long we play the game, We've lost every single one of those days that we could have been fruitful in the kingdom of Christ. 
We could have been putting rewards away in heaven. We could have been helpful to our brothers and sisters in Christ. But, you know, when you're burdened down with a lot of things and you're, you, you know you're not where you're supposed to be, how well do you pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ? So for whatever period of time there, you just weren't for them like you could have been. Because uh, you're not even really praying for yourself like you ought to when you're not where you're supposed to be with God. Because you know what he really wants to talk about. He wants to sit down and let's talk about what you know you're doing that I want you to quit doing. And, and so we just don't pray. We may go through the motions, but it's quick and it's over with, and it didn't go really any higher than the ceiling. Uh, so we, we're not as effective. We're not as helpful. We're not building rewards in heaven. They're wasted days. And that's when he talks about the unfruitful works of darkness. And the thing is, let me ask you this question. Is there any sitting on the fence when it comes to obedience? There isn't. Because God knows your heart. If you're trying your best to do what the Lord wants you to do with the information you have today, as far as depending on how soon you got saved and how you've been applying yourself and learning the gospel. Now, if you've been saved 20 years and never cracked your Bible, well, first of all, I doubt seriously you're saved. I'm worried about that. I'll just put that out there. A child of God that doesn't care about the Word of God needs to worry about that. But the thing is, if you're a young Christian armed with the information you got to this point and you're trying your best to please your Lord and you slip up, that guy almost broadsides your car and for a few seconds your thought life toward him wasn't real good. You know, uh, you know, God, those are the things that we confess and we clean because God knows your heart. So this obedience thing is a heart condition. And so you're either trying to live in obedience or you're not, but there's no sitting on the fence because God knows your heart on this. So he tells us in verse 7 how it's possible to have fellowship with God. We need to go back to our text. It'll help. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Notice that um, the way that we have this constant fellowship, it, it tells us here at the end of the scripture, it says, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Notice that word cleanseth is in the present tense. When we get saved, we go through a judicial, God's judicial law, and the penalty for sin was paid for once and for all. Christ looks at us, and he looks at us through the perfect blood of Jesus Christ, and he no longer sees our sin debt. It's all been paid for. We've been adopted into the, into the uh, family of God. We're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Um, my citizenship in heaven is just as sure today as it was the day I got saved. And, uh, you know, God has saved me. I'm one of his children. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're saved. It's over with. There's no sentence putting Christ back on the cross and paying for it again. He died one time and paid the sin debt for the whole human race. 
And if you accept a free gift of salvation, you're saved. But, and that takes care of the relationship, but then there's the fellowship. And since Rick isn't perfect, even though I tried to tell you again and again, no. uh, There's a lady in this church that sometimes calls me meanness. Can you believe that? And she's not even my wife. (laughs) Uh, But the thing is, we have to constantly have our sins confessed up. Every day we mess up, we make mistakes, we know we're frail. We, but if we're trying to walk with our Heavenly Father, we just got to keep short accounts. We got to bring them to the throne. We got to ask God to forgive us of our sins. <clears throat> Notice that um, He says our sins, it's in the plural. And so one of the things that we're also, we'll talk about in just a minute, <clears throat> excuse me, my getting a little dry, um, is that we need to be real specific about our sins when we're confessing them. Because we know what we've done, and we know the parts of God's law that we have trespassed, and we need to deal with that. <clears throat> but notice in verse 7 <clears throat> that if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship, and notice the beginning of one with another. How important it is to have a proper relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. I treasure this time with y'all and the chance to get together with brothers and sisters in Christ. It just, it does something to my heart. Um, And then also, we can have it because we also have that proper relationship with our Heavenly Father. We have the fellowship with Him. Excuse me. Verse 8 tells us how, you know, the, why we need this. It says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. You know, if we're honest, we'll admit that when we got saved, that did not eradicate the old sinful nature. It gave us the ability to say no, but it didn't eradicate the desires that are there and the tendencies and the habits that we picked up if we were older when we got saved. And so the Bible tells us, go with me if you would to the book of Romans. And in chapter 7. We'll read a little bit of a Romans chapter 7. We're going to read... Uh, Verse starting in verse 15. One of the things about as you get older, your eyesight changes. Yeah. Uh, I need a spotlight. Um, Paul writing here says, For that which I do allow not, for what I, for that which I do I allow not, for what I would that I do not, but what I hate, that I, that do I. Then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. For then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. 
For to the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this flesh, of this death? I thank God, though, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. We sit here and uh, we have to realize that through these scriptures, what Paul is saying is, I'm saved, I know I'm saved, I know what God wants out of me, I know what I'd love to do for my God, and then I still lose my temper. Or I get tempted to do this, and I get tempted to do that. But in my heart of hearts, I want to do right. But I mess up. And the thing that, and, but that's the reason we constantly go before our Heavenly Father and we keep short accounts. And then He's looking at our heart. He knows that in our heart of hearts, we want to be in fellowship with Him. But we find that this life trips us up, this old sinful nature that's in us messes us up, and we, we fall short. And so the thing that we can gather out of this is that, you know, if we think that we have this body under control, we're deceiving ourselves, is what it tells us in verse 8, back in our uh, text. In John chapter, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If you're sitting there and you think that you've got this all under control, that I'm walking the walk, I'm putting a smile on my face, and you don't have to worry about it. I got this all under control. And if you believe that, you're deceived. Because that's what the scriptures say. And the thing for us to realize here is notice that here's John, who's probably close to an 80-year-old saint, one of the apostles, allowed to write five books of the Bible. And he says in verse 8, if we say, he put himself in that number. So the thing is, none of us have got it all under control. We're all sinners saved by grace. But that doesn't exclude us from being able to have fellowship with the Father. It's a matter of what's in our heart. Is there a desire in our heart to walk with Him? And when we mess up, make it right. Just get on our knees and make it right. If we're in a public, get on our knees on our heart. And make it right with our Heavenly Father. And then he tells us in verse 9, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's what gives us the freedom in our heart to know that I can go to my Heavenly Father, put things right with him first, get it took care of, and then put my petitions before him for those that I love, those that are going through the fire, and even the things that I need for myself and for my family, and have that sweet fellowship and the peace and the joy that can only come from that, 
and then be for my brothers and sisters in Christ what I need to be for them and have the sweetness of that fellowship and the joy that comes from all of it. We see that... um, I won't have you turn there before time's sake, but in Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 1 and 2, it tells us that God is there, and he's plenty capable of saving, he's plenty capable of hearing, but it's our sins that have caused him to have to turn his back on us. And so, like I said, if we've deceived ourselves and we think we're not going to, we're still going to walk in fellowship, and yet we're playing around with things, It isn't going to happen that way. And the thing to realize, there is a difference. If we get to the point where it's got beyond slipping up, it's got beyond hitting your thumb with the hammer and remembering language you thought you'd forgot, it's got beyond the guy almost sideswiping your car with your family in it and your thought life toward him has changed, if it's getting beyond that point and it's become part of your lifestyle, there's something you've brought into the house as far as the way a sin that you're playing with, that's when it's going to cause God to have to turn his back on you and not have that sweet fellowship. The relationship is there, but not the fellowship. And then that's, like I said, we, but when we come to the realization of it and we go to him and claim verse 9, And we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The thing to realize is that if we'll do what God demands, he'll do what he promises. And he'll he'll restore us. But the thing is, as we look at the deal of confession, if we confess, confess means to say the same thing, to agree. In other words, to come into agreement with God about it. And then it talks about sins, and that's in the plural. So this deal of God forgive me for my sins and blowing on by it, that's probably you not wanting to deal with it, if I'm just going to be blunt. But what we need to do is, yeah, there's probably things that I don't even remember that I said or did or whatever, but there's probably some specific things that you know that you just assume, yeah, I need to deal with it, and then I'd like to run right back to it if I could, kind of, sort of. You know, but those are the things that create the problem. And so we need to confess our sins. We need to get them out there. We need to address them with our Heavenly Father. And it means more than being sorry. It means to agree with God concerning our sins. And when we stop and we really realize what heartache our sins bring into our families and into our lives and the complications that it creates, we'll understand also why our Lord had to go to the cross. I mean, sins are destructive. Sins are terrible in the eyes of God. And he's dealing with us as imperfect beings, but willing to have a fellowship with us like we're perfect if we'll just confess our sins and agree with him about them and realize that it was our sins, the same sins that we're playing around with is what sent Jesus to the cross. It'll help us take them a lot more serious and not play games with them. And that'll help us not fall into them in a deeper way. If we'll, Like I said, if we'll do what God demands, he will do what he promises But in verse 10, it says, if we say that we have not sinned, 
after he's already told us in verse 8 that we have, but if we say that we have not sinned and make, we make him a liar and his word is not in us, basically if we scotch our heels and stiffen our neck and refuse to confess them, then we put God in the situation of having to chastise us and take us to the woodshed. And guess what? He knows exactly where to push your buttons because I know he knows where mine are at. He knows how to raise the stress level beyond where I'm not willing to play no more. Would you agree with me? You know, he knows where it's at and he knows how to get your attention, but he's only doing it because he loves us. And he wants us to be able to have the fellowship, which will then bring about the joy that we all really need in our hearts. I want to thank you all for your good attention. Does anybody have any thoughts or comments? Yes, Brother John.